race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray. With me is my desk mate, Jacob. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is our third or fourth attempt at this episode. It's, <laughs> it's been like a month of trying to record this episode, and it's not even episodes worth taking that much time for. I know, I know. This, this, is, this shows how much we love y'all, because we're, we're going through this crap for you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry it's been so long. Things happen, but... Um, don't forget to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brokenjars, um, where we have cool stuff that we give away to people who support our passion for podcasting. That's right. You support our PP. <laughs> <laughs> On a fun note, wins all uh, Bohemian Rhapsody today. If you're a fan of Queen, it's worth seeing. You liked it? Yeah, it was good. Uh, definitely had some like pacing issues in like the middle to like two thirds mark in that area, yeah. but all in all, it's worth watching. Yeah, it's getting some mixed reviews. Faux show. Yeah, uh, but it. Well, I don't know. I hear I'm it's a like big, mostly good because of the music. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Queen fan in general, so you know it's good for me. But I could see why people wouldn't like it because there is some real pay, like really big pacing issues on the middle. Yeah. Um, what do I have to share? That's personal. Nothing. I've been in several different countries since the last time you heard me. I'm currently in my bedroom because my recording room smells like cat urine and cleaning products. Um, it's freezing because we can't quite figure out the heating in our apartment. It's either balls hot or nips cold. Those are the <laughs> anatomical weather. Uh, is it like yet. radiant heat or central heat or what? Uh, no, it's like these weird units that they have under the window. Uh, yeah, so like the automation isn't quite right because like it's uh, half outside, so it thinks it knows something, but it don't know nothing. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, so yeah. we're here. We're talking about season eight, episode seven, for the third time. Uh, to be fair, we've never even talked about the second episode in this yeah. list of episodes because we never got that far. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pam's replacement, directed by Matt Sohn. Written by Allison Silverman. All right, so we open up with this cold open of Andy, um, very reminiscent of, of Michael Scott in the post-it notes. He tells Aaron to like, hey, I've got this client in here. Come in, tell me that there's an important call, and I'm going to tell him no. Right. And Aaron, being Aaron, just takes it way too far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, multiple people in the office get involved. White comes in to give his condolences. Daryl is... Suppose, suppose as a cop, doesn't really. What Aaron says is that his mother has died. Right. Has died, correct. (laughs) Is is now dead. Yeah. Like, she she thought she was doing good stuff by, like, bringing in Daryl and Dwight and all that, but it just made it work. Yeah. Um, And, of course, the customer's reaction through the whole thing is uh, probably not what Andy had anticipated. Right. Of course. Um. And, you know, you've got this, uh, like, you know, apparently Aaron said that she'd been hit by a bus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, I, I will say, and this is the only time I will reference me having said this three times. Uh, and I will say I'll be less passionate about my phrasing of it this time than I had been the past two times. But I feel like I appreciate the bit, but it's not executed super well to me. 
Like, mm-hmm. again, as a callback, it's funny, but Aaron's a little too dumb. Uh, there's some always some confusion with the Aaron character, and then um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like a the gag's a little too big, you know. Right. But, yeah, the death of a loved one is um, it's funny, it's hilarious, sure, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, yeah, it's just it's a little too. Uh, I like the office for the quiet moment. Right. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's just too awkward. Yeah. Uh, so the crux of the, the episode here is the introduction of Kathy Sloan, something like that. I was yeah. trying to look up right now. Is, yeah. is whatever her name is. Uh, I can find her. It's Kathy the Office, and it says Kathy Sims. Kathy Sims. Double M S. I can't Frog find spelling boys out there. I can't find her in the in the uh, in the IMDb for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kathy Sims, portrayed by Lindsay Broad. Uh, this is her first appearance, and uh, the last time we'll see her will be last day in Florida. Right. Yeah, we never see her again because then Pam's back. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. So essentially, she is just a. Um, replacement for pam because pam right, like has been preg- that's right she's getting to the point where she can't work and be pregnant at the same time mm-hmm. that baby's coming out um so pam is feeling sensitive right right because you know uh you know she's not as small as she was and she doesn't feel like she's cute anymore and right. really worried that jim is into this new girl who's going to be sitting in her desk and you know like it's not i mean it's it's a little crazy, but it's not really that crazy. Like, you know, Jim has really only dated people he's known at work. And yes, he's got married and they're about to have their second kid. But I, I can understand the insecurity there. Yeah, because you're including Katie in that list of people he met at work. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess on one hand, it's probably true that even the most, uh, you know, solid couples may still have these moments of insecurity. I mean, yeah. probably definitely do. Um, and, and, you know, like she's got a lot of other hormones and stuff going on. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot of reason to feel really insecure, especially because like she's used to being the really cute one in the office. Now she's not. And like we see later where like Jim is just like making her laugh. And, uh, you know, she's like, why is, why is he making her laugh so much? Right. And, and yeah. we see later on that she's justified in her fear because, you know, Kathy is a home-wrecking son of a bitch. Um, well, it yes seems no. to be a home-wrecking son of a bitch. Sure, but all of Pam's suspicions are not Kathy, though, right? They're at Jim. Right. Um, especially in this moment. Um, yeah, I'll say, fine. I get it. Um, I don't. I couldn't even begin to fathom what women feel emotionally because of all of the things that are happening inside their bodies. So it's probably super rational. I I think Pam's annoying in this episode. <laughs> she just like because so I mean I guess let's just talk about this storyline. We'll hop back to talk about the other uh, okay. threads here. But um, you know she keeps questioning Jim. Uh, she starts to look for help uh, outside of you know herself to kind of get a, a sense of what Jim's really thinking. So that Dwight and Pam join up. Right, because Dwight is the only person who's honest. He's, yeah. Pam asked Dwight, "Am I pretty?" And he's like, "No." Right, right. Not at all. And he goes on this really great list about like how she was probably her most attractive at what, like twenty four, something like that. Yeah, twenty four. 
And it's been steadily downhill from there. And she, she did have a slight bounce back after baby number one, after six. Right. Um, so they join up. Um, they end up seeking out Kelly's help, who introduces them to the matchmaker test. Uh, essentially a hypothetical question as to you take the person you're suspicious of, who would your loved one pair them up with? If it's an attractive person, they think that person's hot. And if it's an uggo, similar results with the uggo. I mean, like part of me is like, why did, you know, Jim, why don't you just like admit it? You know, cause obviously she's an attractive woman, but I get why he's not wanting to say it either. But like, yeah, I mean, I'll say he does agree that she is cute or that she is attractive. There's like some specific phrasing that he says that she is this thing. But the specific question from Pam tends to be, are you attracted to her? You know? Mm, okay. Um, so that seems to be the sticking point where he refuses to budge. Now, right. I, I will say, I think, I think it's very possible when I think about it that people who are too like attractive, quote unquote, are like actually not attractive because of that, you know? Mm. Like models, I feel this way all the time about models. Like these are the people who are now right. like... Are you saying you hang around with models a lot now, J-Ray? Have you moved up in the world? Uh, not a lot. I don't want to oversell it here. Uh, no, but like let's let me like Kate Moss, right? People are into Kate Moss. I don't even know who that is. Right, like the four times I've seen her, it's like whatever. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, I don't Cindy Crawford, but I was young. She was yeah, when I was young. But I just feel like a lot of the the supermodels and stuff, like you know, people say that they're attractive, which is probably accurate. But I am not attracted to them. So that's a long-winded way of saying I think it's very possible that Jim feels this way. Yes, she is a pretty person, but she is not pretty to him. Right. Well, and it's one thing. It's it's one thing to look at somebody and be like, yes, they are they are physically gifted in the looks department. Another thing to be like, yeah, I want to get to know them more because I'm attracted to them. Yeah, I think attraction goes, especially with what Jim's saying, is like it goes beyond that whole. Oh, she's just pretty. Like he's right. trying to get get across the fact like look i don't have any kind of there's no emotional connection there yeah and, and i'll say i have to say it again i've watched this episode a bunch in the last month now <laughs> and I, but that being said it was probably a while ago so i can't say for sure but i feel like um i don't know if it's a lack of him not being clear enough although i feel like he says no and that should be the answer not as like a masculine thing but i mean like if your partner says like answers your question without like hesitating and you don't take them at face value. It's like, what you know? How, what do you think of your partner? And again, I think we're supposed to be led as the audience to believe that Pam is under, you know, hormonal distress because of the pregnancy. So she may not be acting in her right mind. So again, I don't know if that's accurate writing or terrible writing. But it, it just it escalates to the point where like the resolution of this is like in the last twenty minutes of the episode, which means I have to watch an entire episode of like, are you sure? Yes. You really? Yes. And it's just like, shut up. anyway so they do the matchmaker test jim picks a a dull looking dude who because he's aware of the matchmaker test um the greatest bit about this though is that they've found his facebook page or whatever his dunder mifflin social media approximate pages and um totally out of nowhere kelly's like i'm gonna write something mean on his wall just because, like, she is a bully from high school. Right. Well, like, she says something like, I care about how people look, so I'm going to write something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. And so we, we uh, get, like, deeper in with Dwight, who, like, 
decides that they really just need to start with Jim's penis. So he's, you know, he ends up like falling, like tripping and just grabbing Jim's junk. Trying like so to many times. Yeah. <laughs> so many times. He said, like, it was only like, either he's telling the truth or I grabbed a very soft penis for no reason. Yeah. Like it makes you wonder how often is, you know, Dwight grabbing penises for reasons. Would it have been better if it had been, you know, <laughs> not soft? I mean, it does seem um, does seem new for everybody in the office. I think everybody is surprised by uh, that little scene there. So uh, sort of the B storyline is Andy, Dwight, and Kevin have started a band yeah. in, the, in the warehouse. Kevin and the Zits. Kevin and the Zits. And Robert California stumbles in on them and just like takes over. Yep, he has a harmonica in the car, so he... He joins a bit, but I guess as he's getting the harmonica, he also invites um, his old bandmates who mm. are from the area. I tried to look them up. I'm not aware of who any of them are. They are people. They really might be local celebrities, but I thought one of them might be like somebody of note, you know, because mm. like it's kind of like for Robert California to flex a bit like this is who he knows. Right. Uh, doesn't seem like it. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, one of them, they did say it was, you know, a local musician who is apparently very well known somebody right right um so they got the harmonica there then all the rest of the people show up one by one in this scene of like and then there were none kind of bit so someone takes over their drums for kevin someone takes over the keyboard for daryl and he's the last one he gets taken you know mid-song he gets taken uh, right (laughs) so they end up as like the uh, background percussion people traditionally regulated to the folks in the group who don't know how to play instruments so someone's like here take this egg full of sand so you can feel like you're participating um how many how many former girlfriends did you relegate to the egg full of sand jay ray you know let me tell you something about being uh musically inclined and then trying to get with people of the opposite gender uh they are interested in it until you're dating them and then once you're dating it's just awkward You know, um, so so none. That'd be the answer. Once you start dating someone, and then you try to be a musician, they like are like, okay, you go do that. I don't want to be there for that. You know. Good to know. Good to know. I, I'm not musically inclined in the slightest, so I wouldn't know. Uh, I will say for those of you who do like to jam, and if you, I'm sure you've had this thought, but I always think of it. I don't have one, but I, it's a jam box. Okay. It is a box, traditionally like an art box or some type of container you could put a lot of like fun, percussive, jammy instruments in. Um, shakers, wood blocks, a triangle, maracas, you know, castanets, maybe a kazoo. You just have this box of stuff so the people who are good at music will grab real instruments. Um, and then all of your friends who are bad, they grab fun stuff out of this box. And it just feels like they're participating, you know. <laughs> How bad could you be at a kazoo? And the answer is pretty bad, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> Anyways, they don't have a jam box. So uh, Kevin's doing this like thing. Uh, um, that's, that's it. And then, uh, yeah, Andy's just drumming on his body. Uh, music's good. The guys seem to be rocking out. And I do think it's probably a real feeling of them not realizing they got pushed out, you know? Like they just think they're part of it. It's not until they start playing without them that they really like realize that right. you know, they're not needed. Mm-hmm. that they as zits have been popped from the group um right. and like uh val val's like you know i liked it when y'all played but i don't really like these people yeah um 
And this is probably the first, this is one of the earlier times we see Val kind of like have a part as like an office member, right? right? Mm-hmm. We saw we saw a bit with Gabe and Daryl trying to like compete over her, but she was more like the object of that scene as opposed to a part of it. Right. So here she's like a nice little catalyst of like the voice of reason, you know? Um, and of course, we'll see a lot more for us the rest of the season goes on. But um, yeah, so the boys leave, they go outside. Uh, they do their own music thing by the dumpster. Right. Uh, back upstairs, uh, Dwight has a crazy idea, which Pam now has to agree with because she's not satisfied with the answer she's gotten out of gym. Where they go to a local pharmacy or something where they have one like of those. Like a Rite Aid or Walgreens or whatever, yeah. yeah. So it seems like they're going to put Jim in it. And I've never used one. So it seems like what, you only use it like one at a time. Like you can't just have it on you. Right. It goes, it measures, and then it gets off. And mm. then so they have to like kind of reset every time they ask a new question. Right. Uh, there's an old guy there that Dwight parades. Um, right. It was a great bit after a while. I was like, I don't know. I think Jim's been lying the entire time. He's, look at his blood pressure. It's like a 150 over 100, which is pretty high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and we find out that Jim has a history of uh, high blood pressure in his family, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, Pam kind of changes gears. She gets a little bit more concerned about Jim's health and stuff like that. Right. Uh, yeah, because the, um, uh, you know, she's like, oh, no, you know, the your blood pressure is real high. You could actually be sick. And she does, she's scared about losing Jim instead of, like, this girl that's in their, you know, in her seat now. Yeah, exactly right. Um. And I mean, that's kind of the end of the episode, yeah? Yeah, it's pretty much the end of it where, like, yeah, there, there's this great, like, drum-off, you know, finish where, like, Kevin and the, the sports anchor dude are, like, have, like, dueling drums. Yeah, and the dude who's drumming has, like, this really, like, flary style, mm-hmm. very drum line, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh... I see what I gave it way back when. I don't know if I want to stick with that or not, but uh, way back when I gave it a three and a half, 3.5 out of five soft penises. I don't know if I were to rewatch it today. I don't know if it would be nearly that high, but that's where I rated it, you know, a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably give it something closer to like a 2.3 out out of five yeah, soft penis probably one. Oh, <laughs> a giant triangle <laughs> all right next up we have what was that gonna be season eight episode eight gettysburg directed by jeffrey blitz and written by robert padnick yeah it starts with um a review of the saber code of conduct mm-hmm. which is Basically. really yeah it's the binder meeting again right right Likely where I work, they've just like um, made these all like online trainings. <laughs> I don't have to like actually sit down and listen to this. Yeah, that's nice because it does seem like kind of a waste of time. Right. So like, uh, you know, we see like Pam fake breaking her water, which I got to admit, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, pretty ballsy move there. And it takes some like real uh, foresight to be able to pull that off. Well, I mean, we see she's done it a few times and some less... Um you know, less convincing than others. There's one instance where she tells Ryan her water broke and she stays there sipping her soda. Uh, oh, is it my water broke or I'm going into labor? 
Yeah, maybe it's my my I'm going into labor. Yeah, right. <laughs> she just like because he, he walks up to her, he's like, "Here are three reasons why you're wrong about True Blood." She's like, "I'm going into labor now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yep. So we see she has a water bottle within her thighs that she has grossly emptied all over the uh, floor there. <laughs> poor people having to clean that up. Yeah. So um. So we see next is a very another familiar scene. I mean, I don't know if it's the showrunners trying to purposefully compare Andy to Michael. I feel like it's an inevitability, but they keep making him do Michael things. Um, mm. And this is the fake phone call from corporate right. about something to rally the troops about something. Right. Man, business is war. And he tries to like push this whole, um, you know, how crazy it is. And how brutal business is and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and like how conveniently there's a bus outside. And I wonder if it'll take us to Gettysburg. Where is Gettysburg? You know? Yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's farther south than I thought it was. Uh, it is actually not that far from Baltimore. There you go. Oh, wow. There you go. I didn't realize that's where it was. <laughs> um, let me see here. Yeah. I've only, so I've only been living here for four years. No big deal. Well, you're not on the right side of the state, really. I don't right. know where Pittsburgh is on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost to Ohio. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you shouldn't really know. I mean, not for nothing. I don't know what's going on down below me. Yeah. There's this great thing, as people say about Pennsylvania. It's two cities that hate each other separated by the Amish. That's yeah. pretty much true. That sounds very Pittsburgh accurate. and Philly hate each other. Yeah. It's it's something else. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so Andy um, wants so to we find out the troops, right? By yeah. taking him to Gettysburg and seeing all this stuff, and yeah, like I, I feel like I, I feel like Michael would have done a better job because he would have just taken them on a booze cruise. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like it's very similar to the booze cruise in that, like they're trying to equate this one thing that's not related to the thing at all. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference here is that there's an opportunity for the staff to point it out to the manager here that what they're doing is nuts. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, so sort of the B storyline, because not everyone went to Gettysburg. I guess it was an optional trip. Yeah. And um, so they're all kind of hanging out. <laughs> and Robert California comes in and he's like, all right, you're going to pitch me Game Changers. Uh-huh. Uh, there's some some really good ones like uh, paper P-A-P-Y-R paper for women right it's soft it's scented it's all this different stuff mm-hmm. which honestly that would probably go over really well yeah I mean I guess it depends what the R&D behind it would be like would it be economical to actually make softer scented paper yeah that's true because I don't know if people would pay a premium for that you know hey man I did for premium toilet paper oh that's right you had that pink toilet paper right yeah it was, was uh it? oh it was, i can't remember the name of it right now uh but it's from like belgium or something it's three ply and scented and stuff is great three ply scented. see let me tell you jacob <laughs> let me tell you something <laughs> I, I get worried about adding scented products to areas that don't necessarily smell great I feel like wouldn't that just all mix together into like a worse smell? Uh, I mean, it didn't bother me none. Uh, Renova, that's what it's called. 
Nova. Nova. Yeah, it we is. We're not that. sponsored by Nova, but uh, <laughs> no, but check if it you, out. Yeah, it's too expensive to use all the time, but it, it is nice. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe that's what I'll do for Christmas for myself. <laughs> Get a couple rolls of Nova. Yeah, like it's. Uh, I guess it varies. Like it's like three bucks a roll. It's not terrible, but it's you know, and it's different colors. Comfortable anus, it could be worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, so these game changers. So Stanley's got this paper thing. Um, Ryan has a whole spiel about creating. I'm not sure what an origami cafe or something. Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out what uh, he was going for there, but his uh, thing was uh, origami is the sushi of paper. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe, and I forget when this is, but like a big thing today, right? Are like the experiences, like your escape rooms and such. Uh huh. So, so like, was it like an outing? You know, like a place where you like, you know, people have wine and paint or whatever that. Right. Is. Yeah. Like so a, maybe it was like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of those kind of things now, like crafty things where you go and like drink and be crafty and get people money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so maybe he didn't sell a lot. Maybe, but Kevin wins the day where, like, he's talking about how you think that the best vending spot, vending machine spot is A1, but it's really, like, B6 or something. Um, And Robert California takes it to be mean more than cookies. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, like, that is, like, I, you know, I don't know. A lot of people worked retail before. Or they got real jobs. Sorry, I have bread in my mouth. Um, but like, it's the big thing to do things at eye level that are high sellers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's to get it right in the middle there. Yeah. I mean, it's a very so obvious it's not thing. An idea that's out of box. No, no, no. It's a very obvious thing and very, like, you know, sh- shelf space at a grocery store is huge. Like, you know, if you don't get in the right place as a new product, you can you can basically kiss your kiss your you know stuff goodbye. It's not going to sell. Yep. Uh, let's see. Um, so we have this thing where like Gabe gets drafted into like being Lincoln, and so the folks who go. Uh huh. Check one two. Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, I wasn't talking before. I was just trying oh. to see maybe if it catch up. Okay, so yeah, so like Gabe really gets into Lincoln, and that was funny. Um, the other sort of storyline is uh, the Battle of Shroot Farms, and yeah. so Oscar, you know, so Dwight, Dwight's all talking about like deaths per acre and stuff, and they, in Oscar's like, oh, you don't fill this girl's head with nonsense and all this other stuff, and. So they finally find out that the Battle of Shrew Farms was like a haven for gay men during the Civil War. Yeah, kind of like a, a, a gay hippie commune. Right. You know, for 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 the 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 fabulous the who didn't want to fight. Um, yeah, and it's great because that means the conspiracy behind the Shrew, the Battle at Shrew Farms, like Dwight has succumbed to also thinking that it was this battle that the letters described. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it was yeah they the the people who were there played it off in such a way that like it made it you know whoever was they were sending the letters to made it seem like they were 
you know, in a bad, you know, really having a bad time. I do appreciate Aaron's part in this as like this really easily swayed third party. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just kind of freaking out and reacting to whoever is talking the loudest at the time. Right. Uh, Like a lot of times you see her switch sides in the same scene. Mm -hmm. Just a better use of her. Right. uh, Your mom's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. This this is another episode where like not a lot really happens. You know, we have like Andy or Andy. So eventually Jim just is like, look, we sell paper. We're not in a battle because Andy's like going way over the top and being kind of, well, not kind of very disrespectful, disrespectful of like the battlefield and stuff. And Jim's like, look, it's not that big of a deal, but we're here and we have where DM does GB, which I'm pretty sure is a sex thing. Yeah. Just kind of like lets Andy know, look, you don't have to do this stuff to, for us to like you. Yeah. And I'll say I haven't really watched ahead now at this time, but I'm not, I feel like this is the whole beginning of this season. has just been to establish Andy as the boss, him kind of wrangling with his ability to do so in his you know, his thoughts about the office accepting him as such. I feel like finally this episode kind of squashes that storyline. Like, yes, you are the boss. Move forward. Right. I think he still has some weird interactions with uh, Robert moving forward, but I think everybody does. So that's not really a thing. Right. Um, but yeah, this, all, yeah, all this stuff is like, getting, I feel like we got it over with, with the text. Right. Like we're definitely getting into more, quote-unquote normal episodes because we got trivia coming up and pool party and jury duty and then you know we get into the tallahassee stuff so yeah definitely the 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 whole management side is uh you know the establishing him as the boss is kind of going away now uh which is good because it just should have ended soon yeah trying to think i mean is there anything else that's noteworthy here i mean there's some jokes about watching limitless on the bus yeah 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 there's just not a lot to this episode and yeah so sorry listeners i'm sure this was just awful for you but uh so what'd you rate this episode (laughs) yeah this is just uh a straight to maybe we should go to the theater (laughs) Uh, I gave it a 2.5 out of 5 Lincolns. It was okay. I remember when this episode came out, not thinking it was all that great, and it does, hasn't gotten any better with age. Uh, but we'll be back at some point. I know Jay Ray's getting some surgery soonish, so we Jay Ray may not be back next time. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if not, we'll have a special guest. Uh, thanks for coming out. Sorry this took so long. We've been having issues and all sorts of crap. So uh, we really do apologize. So but remember, check out our Patreon. Uh, check out the website. Email us, broadcasting at gmail.com. All that goodness. Uh, and you all have a good night. Bye.